0: Canberra's local current affairs program on Community Radio 2XXFM 98.3. Today, I'm speaking with Anita Beck, the exhibition content manager at Questacon, about their upcoming exhibition on colours and some of the other stuff that Questacon gets up to. So, my first question is a pretty easy one. It, would you mind telling me your name and your position?
1: So my name is Anita Beck and I am the Exhibition Content Manager at Questacon.
0: And I understand that one of the exhibitions that you're managing is an upcoming one on colours. Would you mind telling me a little bit about that exhibition and how it's going to work? Sure. So our newest exhibition
1: is is called Colour and it's it's all about colour in our world. So how is colour made? How do we make colour around us? How do we... uh, and feel about colour and how do how does that impact on our lives as well as how do different people and animals and machines see color.
0: Um I understand that there's going to be several different um sections in this uh exhibition. Like what you said was how animals and people uh interact with colour. Um sorry I'm just pulling up my notes for the interview. Um mm-hmm. So how are you going to represent the different areas in the various exhibitions? Because Vesticon is pretty interactive. So we have, the exhibition will have four different
1: themes and as you walk through you'll be able to tell that you're in a different theme by the different colour of the area. So the first theme that you walk through when you get into the exhibition is around coloured light. So basically colour is light and we don't have colour without light and so it's looking at how colour is created within light what does that mean for rainbows and how is color created in in our universe? The section, second section um, is about how do we control color. For some of the examples we have, we have a giant room where when you go in you can see things, but because the light in the room is different colors, you can't tell what color the objects are until you get a torch and you show white light and then you can see that something that under red light might look black or white are actually yellow or green. The next section is Uh, about making sense of colour. So how is colour in our lives and how do we use it? One of the best exhibits we have there is called Stop and Go and it's about how we use, usually in our life we use green for go and red for stop and how that's so ingrained that it can be difficult to stop ourselves when we see green even if it's written in the word stop because we just want to keep going when it's green. Another thing we have there which is really interesting is we have some interviews on people who are called synesthes and these are people whose whose senses are a bit overlapped and the people that we've interviewed see colour when they hear particular words or they think about patterns or people or hear some music and that's really fascinating that people's colour world and experience of colour is really different to others. And the last section we have is about seeing colour. So that's about how we see it and how we differ. So individuals even differ in how they see colour whether you have colour blindness or not we all see it differently and animals such as birds and bees can see into spectrums of, of light and colour that humans can't. So they can see into the ultraviolet spectrum and so we simulate that you can see what it might be like to see as a bee or a bird.
0: Um one of the particular animals that's been making the rounds on the internet in terms of their ability to perceive spectrum of colour is the mantis shrimp. Um is there any chance that there'll be any information or exhibits on that <laughs> or just generically on animals?
1: Focus mainly on on generic insects and birds. We haven't actually gone into other animals. What we do have, though, is we have um, a collection of insects from the Australian National Insect Collection, and that's uh, an amazing collection of animals, with, of insects, birds and bugs and beetles and grasshoppers and prey mons and moths and bees even, and how they use colour in their lives. Insects don't actually see particularly well, so the colour that they use is mostly... For camouflage or to warn away predators, but the colours that they've evolved.
0: Really interesting. Um, I guess exhibits that are between like parents and kids are there, just kids or options for
1: adults? Sure. So, QuestCon is interactive, and our target audience is generally school children and their families. But having said that, there's something for everybody. We have these interviews with the they are probably aimed at a higher audience. Um, We have a lot of. Questions about how you perceive colour, which can definitely be entertaining for adults, and we have a special kid trail for uh, our younger audiences, where you can go around and find hidden animals throughout the entire exhibition.
0: Have mentioned the, talking to the synesthesia, How did you? Um, how did you contact people who had this ability? Was it just a sure? General?
1: Yeah. So, um, quite a small percentage of people have synesthesia, So we weren't sure whether we were going to be able to find enough but uh, we basically put a call out on our Facebook page and we got contacted by people who identify as synesthetes. We sent them a little survey to check the strength of their synesthesia because people do vary. Um, and then we, you know, they basically volunteered their time and they came in and we interviewed them with a series of questions.
0: So it's mostly kind of questions of... When you see the certain color, what what do you taste? What do you experience? Yeah.
1: So the questions vary from what kind of synesthesia do you have? A lot of people have what's called um a lot of people have synesthesia that's based around words or patterns. And so when they see days of the week or letters or words, they see colors. Other people hear see colors when they listen to different types of music or notes. And other people again have see colours around people's personalities or mood, And so there's lots of different types of synesthesia. Then we also ask them, okay, so what colour is Monday or Tuesday and how does this affect your life? Is it a positive for you or is it a negative? Would you change it if you could? And how do you feel about the way other people perceive colour?
0: Did you get... Um, so I'm assuming you'd get a pretty interesting range of, of answers of people who were happy with having anaesthesia and some people who would find it inconvenient. Yeah, so most people
1: were overwhelmingly happy with it. They said it really contributed to their lives, they found it really interesting and they enjoyed it. Other people said that they found... Sometimes it can get in the way, So sometimes they found it difficult to see what colour the word was truly written in versus the colour that they perceive when they see the word. And one person described it as being quite tiring, that they were having to continually sort through what they were perceiving as the colour and and the reality that they thought was the colour, so to speak. But everyone we interviewed said they really enjoyed having synesthesia.
0: Um, in the exhibition on the same sort of note of uh, conditions to do with color, is there a section on color blindness and options for people who are color blind?
1: Yeah, so we have a uh, a simulator uh, to sh- to simulate color blindness so that people with full color vision can experience what it might be like for someone with color blindness. But at the same time, we have a color blindness corrector so that people who have colour blindness might be able to come in and see what it's like people who don't have uh, a colour vision deficiency.
0: And now it's time for a little bit of music, and today's song is When the Levee Breaks by Led Zeppelin. Zeppelin. You're listening to 2XX FM 98.3. The program is Subject ACT, Kemper's local current affairs program where we explore issues from a curious and informed perspective. Today we're talking with Anita Beck from Questacon all about their new exhibition on colors and what else Questacon gets up to. How do you decide which areas? Because I feel like this is one of the topics where With a lot more uh, information, a lot more depth than what, say, I would know. How do you decide what gets into the exhibition and what you're going to focus on and what gets not left out but what gets
1: um, done? Yeah. So when we start an exhibition, we like to do a lot of research around the topic and really explore some of the ideas and themes and and things that are in there. We then look at Um, what we find interesting and we often go and talk to our visitors about what they find interesting and what they would like to know about that particular topic. So that really helps and guides us to know what should be in and out of the exhibition. Um, We also try and cluster exhibits into themes or subtopics because that really helps people to learn more about the topic if you can sort of build upon it um so we settled on these four different things different experiences came out of that we also then look at which specific topics might be turned into a more interactive or more interesting experience and so if something satisfies visitor interest something that's interesting inherently in itself and
0: has a nice interactive element to it then it'll end up um and presumably you've, you've interacted quite a bit with people from from previous exhibitions. What have been some of the, to move on a little bit from the colour exhibitions, what have been some of the best reactions that you've had from people after they've attended one of the exhibitions? So a lot of pe- people are really enjoying it. They particularly
1: like Stop and Go. That's really a fun one. Too. I found it really interesting to see how different individuals can perceive colour. And the collections, the, we have a collection of minerals and fluorescing rocks that we have borrowed from Geoscience Australia, and they are just spectacular. And people are really saying that the, the mineral samples and the insects from from the Australian National Insect Collection are just, yeah, phenomenal. So they're really enjoying seeing this variety of color, color in nature, and uh, exploring these differences between individuals.
0: Um. Would you be able to give me any details about any of the other exhibitions that are going on at Questacon or at the moment? Or So right now at Questacon, we
1: also have a new fundamentals collection, which is looking at some of the really fundamental physics and science that uh, build classic uh, exhibition. Sorry, let me start that again. We have a fundamentals exhibition, which looks at fundamental basic science, and that's something that came out this year as well. We also continue to have our Excite gallery, which is down at the bottom, which has free fall and other really fun exhibits. And we have a great, what we call Mini-Cube, which is a great exhibit uh, exhibition for kids under six. And they just love it. It's great for crawl, kids who are crawling in toddlers and to ha- explore and get their first taste of science.
0: Um, I've been to some of the exhibitions in the past, um, The ones After Dark, for adult like the the beer and science one are um, you planning to do any more of those into the future yes
1: well we based based on the success of the most recent gin uh, the science of gin experience i think if i'm not incorrect i think we have one based on tequila coming up as well
0: that sounds fun and what kind of um contacts do you have because presumably you interact with the larger scientific community how do you get in contact with the right people to have these kinds of conversations? So we're really lucky at Questacon. We have a really good reputation and a lot of people feel um,
1: nostalgic about their childhood at Questacon as well. So when we are doing an exhibition or when we are looking at uh, providing an experience we often just contact people cold. With, you know, through our research we find people who in Canberra or Australia who are doing the research that we're interested in and we contact them and Nine times out of ten, people are really happy to collaborate with us and help work with us. So we've worked with amazing scientists down in Melbourne, at the universities there and at ANU and Canberra Uni and yeah, all over the country because people are just willing to not only support Questacom, but this is about getting all of our science and the, the Australian science out to the public.
0: Are there options for people who aren't um, professional scientists to be involved with with Questacon. There's there's
1: a lot of ways that people can get involved with Questacon. Um often um so people can volunteer. They can come and work here and uh, work as a gallery assistant or they can volunteer their time to work at Questacon. Um we also have um a great collaboration with the ANU to run a masters program where people can do a masters in science communication and this is so half of Questacon and half of ANU and that's about Learning what Questacon does and what science communication is, which is another great way of doing it, um, and then also we always welcome people's feedback. So we we have a few feedback um, kiosks around the around the building, but we'd also just love people to email us. They can become a member and just give us their opinion and tell us
0: what they want, how they're finding it, and yeah, what we can do for them. Why? Um, how important do you think Questacon is? For science and just generally for Canberra. So I think Questacon is
1: an integral part of Canberra. I think we've, the building as it is now has been around for 30 years, and we've been Questacon as an entity has been around for longer than that. Um, we get a lot of um, school groups from all around the country coming to Canberra as part of their citizen science as part of... Well, sorry, part of their citizenship um, component of school. And Questacon just highlights Australia's ingenuity and innovation within that context. For in, In terms of science, I think Questacon is extremely important for just showing that science is accessible. It's available to everybody. Everyone, science is around us everywhere. And whether we like science or not, we're interacting with it every day. And, you know, sometimes people can get a bit of a a bad impression of science if they had a poor teacher or they they didn't enjoy it at school. But Questacon, I think, shows the other side of it, that science can be really fun and exciting and easy. And it's really easy to be involved in science and to do science at home and, yeah, but it's just everywhere.
0: I have kind of a, a double-barrel question, which is, what is your personal favorite part about Questacon and, more specifically, this exhibition? But on the flip side, if there's one thing that you could change about Questacon, whether it's an exhibit or the physical structure of the building, what would it be?
1: So I think one of the favorite exhibits, which I think I share with a lot of people, would have to be free fall. It's a really fun exhibit and it's great. You climb up six meters and then you drop down, you free fall for a few seconds, well, a second, and then you safely return to the ground. It's really fun another one is a hidden one that you find in the um, water exhibition it's on the Coriolis effect and it's a really nice exhibit that just sh- shows some surprising movement in water as it spins around so those two are definitely my favorite what I would change at, at Question, one thing that I would love to do create a space a permanent space specifically for adults and I'd like to be able to do that not only so that we can cater for a Uh, The adult audience, but so that we can start talking about some science that may not be for younger ears and eyes. I think that would be really fun and and, uh, exciting.
0: Yeah, it would be a good idea because sometimes you'd want to do maybe more higher level stuff or more complicated stuff that wouldn't necessarily be relevant for children, but if you've become interested in science as an adult, there's more scope for you then? Absolutely.
1: I mean, you can talk about science more in depth, but you can also talk on topics that probably are not appropriate for for children. So one example of that is that we're currently working on an exhibition that will come out in 2019 on machines and humans and how they're they're interacting and and becoming more and more like each other. And one of the things that keeps popping up in our research is about autonomous killing machines. So these are robots designed to kill people. This is obviously not going into our exhibition. It's not going into eight-year-olds. But it's, it's an interesting topic. There's a lot of science behind it, and it's something that, you know, if we had an
0: adult-only area, we might actually be able to talk about. And speaking of future exhibitions, on the same note, is there a, a, a favorite topic of yours that you haven't, a questioner hasn't done an exhibition on yet, that you would you would love to be able to explore?
1: Oh, there's so many. I would love to do an exhibition on Antarctica think that would be really fascinating. I would like to do an exhibition on climate change and really highlight the science behind that. And another favourite of mine is just an exhibition on everyday science. So what's the science behind our laundry detergent? What's the science behind our remote controls? What's the science behind our telephones? We kind of take for granted the science that's around us already and we're focusing on some of the unique and interesting ones. But the science that's around us and that we use every day is just as interesting.
0: Um, and I might let you go, but I'll just end this interview with one last question. it's uh, sort of like a a double barreled one again. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think is the largest hurdle that we have in? Uh, what do you think is the largest hurdle that uh, we have in understanding science on a deeper level? And where would you like to see on in ten years?
1: Okay, the largest hurdle that we have in understanding science. Well, I don't. I don't think there's one. I mean, if, there's two ways of looking at that. There's one as a society, and there are thousands of hurdles, and we're trying to break those hurdles every day. Why is cancer killing every? Why you know? How do we cure cancer? How can we fix diseases? How can we make sustainable solutions to our energy problems? There are so many hurdles from that point of view.
0: Um, In terms of, is that kind of what you meant? And also in terms of societal problems, like you were saying before with maybe you've had a a teacher who hasn't explained the topic very well. Right, sure. So I think, yeah, definitely
1: we're seeing a lot of movement in the away from traditional science teaching, and that's great, and it makes such a huge difference. But one of the problems that I have is that a lot of, we're still only seeing a small percentage of books for children where the protagonist and the, the person who's solving our problems female. And so we're losing a lot of girls to science and math and technology and, other, and STEM in general because they're not seeing themselves represented in the stories that they read at a really young age. So I would, it's starting to come out and we're seeing it, but I would still like to see it as the main character in these adventure books. And science books and everyday books, more commonplace. So that's one thing I'd like to see. So we don't lose girls at that early age and they start seeing themselves as kind and gentle and pretty rather than hardworking and adventurous and curious. So I'd like to see that change and I think that would make a big difference to our society as a whole. Where I'd like to see Questacon go in 10 years, I'd like it to be... And innovative and interesting. I think it's going in that direction, and I'd like to see us push the boundaries on that even further. What can we do? How can we push the boundaries of science communication and science interaction that will
0: really ignite the
1: flames?
0: Yeah, that sounds really great. Well, I will let you go to your Christmas party. But thank you so much for agreeing to meet with me today and allowing me to reschedule last minute. No problem. I hope that was uh useful. Yeah, that was great. Um I hope you have a great day and a great Christmas. Excellent. Thanks, you too. You too. Bye bye. And that concludes our discussion with Anita Beck. Join us each weekday, eight AM to nine AM on two double FM ninety eight point three subject ACT. You can stream us live at two double au slash listen or catch up on all our podcast episodes at soundcloud.com slash subject act or stay in touch via social media on Facebook and Twitter. Community radio needs you, so please uh, support this station by subscribing via two double au. Stay tuned for more people powered radio. I'm Carolina. Have a great day.